0: The Dark Side. I'm your host, Brianna. I'm Dyson. And this is Dark Adaptation. Welcome to part two of episode 26. The mysterious guest in Room 1046. Make sure you listen to part one first. What you doing?
1: Oh, it's a doozy. <laughs> I love the Who whodunits.
0: They're great. They are, especially when it's old timey like this. Yeah. It's um, it's wild to research. It's very fun. And then it's so cool to be able to like, just like deliver it to all of you guys and, and be like, the fuck you think?
1: Yeah, if you're a fan of the old video game L.A. Noire, you're going to oh. fucking love this.
0: This is just a friendly little reminder to everyone that we have patches now.
1: Oh yeah, embroidered patches. They're gorgeous, gorgeous
0: embroidered patches. They are very, I think like very well thought out.
1: And well made. Like, they're so
0: beautiful. Yeah,
1: like when we when we had them ordered, like they give you a fuck ton of options and we went with like the best of the best. We did. Yeah, so they're like high-end threading. The embroidered part, the outside skirting of it is like to give extra like weight and sturdiness to it.
0: And when you look at them, even like the little stars that are embroidered on them, like they're so detailed. They look like they were hand stitched. That's how beautiful they are. And they are like they adhere really well. Like I have one. On this almost like felt material purse, and it's holding up real well.
1: Yeah, other people want to do merch. I know that we got a lot of indie podcasts who listen to our stuff as well because they support us and we support them. Yeah. Just a shout out to the studio, which is what we use to to put it all together. They did a fantastic job. I remember I made like edits in the middle of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like two a.m. and by like five a.m., I got like an email saying like. The designer has reviewed your mm-hmm. your changes and has given you another sample. And I'm like, whoa. And they're good. It's great shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So support a little indie baby pod. It's our passion project. We love it. We're here for you. So be there for us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And plus they're dope. You'd like to have it. It's really cool. So dope. Yeah. And they're iron on.
0: So go check out our website, darkadaptationpodcast.ca. We have a shop there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: if it's easier for you, if you already follow us on Instagram or you want to, we're at darkadaptationpodcast. Mm-hmm. And you can shop there. Yep. And um, just a quick search on Facebook if you'd like. We also, the shop is linked there as well. So yeah. there's options. So yeah.
1: and- Speaking of options, it's all free shipping. So,
0: free shipping, no tax. No tax. Solid fee. Go check it out. Get yourself a patch. It's beautiful. Represent your girl, represent your boy. Yep. Love you. Thank you. Thanks.
1: I hope you like it. We designed it ourselves.
0: Well, Dyson designed it all and I dictated cuz yes. he's he could do all that. Techie side, and I'm like, no, it has to look like this. I want that. I want this, and he can conceptualize it for me. So, Mm -hmm. we're a good team that way.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, they're dope. Let me go ahead. All right, hit us with the episode. (laughs) Let's go.
0: (laughs) Okay, so first, though, because I mean, it's been a week, right? So, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. the people need a little bit of a recap, and this is your reminder that this is a part two of a two part. Series, so go and listen to episode one first. Yeah. Okay, great. So in part one, we left off. Or I wrote we felt off. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. We left off with Owen's funeral and the weird events that revolved around that. So the funeral home that had displayed his body announced that they were going to go and bury him in a Potter's field, but this was delayed because the funeral home received a phone call from a mysterious man saying he was going to send them money for a proper burial and funeral. A similar call was also made to to a flower shop. This call was suspicious and gave off the vibe like the caller knew Owen and the circumstances surrounding his death.
1: Mm -hmm. 100% he did. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no doubt in my mind.
0: So... To you guys listening, it's a part two. It's a week later, but we are recording both parts like in one sitting. Yeah, so in between the first and second part, Dyson and I were just talking, and and Dyson has this whole theory conceptualized in oh, his yeah, head, and he's running with it. So, yep. Guess wait, Dyson, because we're at the end. We're gonna get into some theories. So. Okay, all right. You can you can spiel off what you're feeling.
2: Oh
1: yeah, like let me just tell you, it's brewing now, and I'll give you the tea later. Mm-hmm
0: spill that tea for us (laughs) so then after the funeral a woman had called a kansas city newsroom to say that they published wrong information this call was also suspicious and had people feeling like she knew more Mm -hmm. ultimately none of these phone calls led investigations anywhere helpful in part one, we have also discussed the mystery man, Roland T. Owen, and his stay over the course of a few days at the hotel president in Kansas City, Missouri,
2: mm-hmm.
0: the strange like interactions that he had had with the hotel staff, and then obviously, and ultimately, the, his death that was obviously the result of foul play. Yeah. The K- we also talked about the KCPD's investigation, which included interviews and following leads, such as potential sightings of Owen by eyewitnesses. And their KCPD's first and main objective of identifying him for real, because they had realized that Ronald T. Owen was likely an alias. Mm-hmm. And that's where we are going to pick up
1: with part two. Here we go.
0: So for the next year, images of Owen continued to circulate nationwide in the hope of identifying him. In November of 1936, a friend of Ruby Ogletree in Birmingham, Alabama, showed Ruby an issue of a Sunday newspaper supplement called the American Weekly. And in this newspaper supplement, there was an article about Owen's case. The unidentified man looked a great deal like ruby's son
1: these names are killing me these are like the best names like ruby Ogletree.
0: okay so like i don't know anyone named ruby except for like max and ruby so i'm just picturing a bunny
1: (laughs) (laughs) these are the most like 19 like 40s i know it's 30s but like drama movie type name ruby
2: ogletree
1: yeah like this is days of our lives before (laughs) days of our lives
0: as the world turns or whatever (laughs) that is the world turns yeah
1: (laughs) the little intros that are just so dramatic
0: (laughs) like is this the intro to a show or like when a studio production has a hand in a movie so there's like the little interlude of like a world spinning
1: and everything has a crossfade on it, so every t- every time that there's a face, they're like fading into another scene.
0: <laughs> they always look a little bit constipated. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. You're like, this kind of looks like this kind of looks like a perfume commercial at a certain point.
0: A little stink face. <laughs> <laughs> So Ruby contacted the KCPD and was able to provide enough information about Owen, including a description of a scar above his ear, which resulted in a permanent bald spot, which she explained he got this scar in a childhood accident where he got hot grease spilled all over him when he was only 11 months old.
1: Oh, whoa. Yeah. Why you got an infant next to some hot grease? (laughs) what Yo! are you what you doing
0: why you got an infant
1: did she take responsibility for that or just said this happened
0: I'm, well i don't know maybe it was like on the stove and he like pulled it down or something i don't know
1: oh, yeah. why are you <laughs> saying it like it changes anything it's
0: 1935 <laughs> i don't know if you're 11 months old shouldn't you already be out there in the field working <laughs> 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 why in the kitchen this is some mechanic <laughs> So she gave this very detailed information. Remember, one of the things that was noticed about him and obviously um, very prominent about him was that above his ear, he had that huge scar. Mm -hmm. And she was like, yeah, I can give you exact information about the scar. And here's what happened. Yeah. So the police were very confident that they finally had an identity for this mysterious man.
1: Okay, good, good.
0: So then another issue of the supplement was soon published with a story that the man had been identified and his name was William Artemis Ogletree. These names are
1: kind of <laughs> William Artemis Ogletree. Like you're serious right now?
0: Yeah, that's his name. These are all
1: made up, but like masterfully made up.
0: <laughs> They're beautiful. So yeah, who was identified? William Artemis Ogletree, and it went on to explain how his identity had been determined. Based on what Ruby disclosed to the police, all we know about William Artemis Ogletree is that he went by Artemis. He was born in Florida in 1915 and he was one of three children. In 1934, he was 19 years old and he was living in Birmingham, Alabama with his family when he left home to travel with a friend to California. Ruby said she hadn't seen him since he left Birmingham. But he wrote her letters updating her on his progress and she would wire him money when he needed it. So even though he had left Birmingham on like this little like road trip, they were still in contact. They wrote letters to each other all the time. Okay. While the question of who this man was had been answered, Ruby's account sort of raised more questions. She was told the date that he died. But she said that she had been receiving several letters from her son after he had been murdered. The 1st postmortem letter was in early 1935, and it was postmarked in Chicago. And it actually had roused Ruby's suspicions immediately since it was typewritten. Whereas every other letter that was sent to her from Artemis was handwritten. And then all of right. a sudden she started getting these typewritten notes, and they were postmarked on the on. ...these days after it was already confirmed that he had been murdered in that hotel. Okay. As far as she knew, Artemis didn't know how to use a typewriter. And at the end of the day, like, when would he have ever even had time to learn how to use one? Right. She also said that these letters were written in a way that was not consistent with his previous letters to her. So, like, usually when he was writing her letters... He was very simple and brief and focused on, like, job prospects and whatever. Like, he got right to the point. And I've seen Mm -hmm. photos of these letters. They are very to the point, not rambling in any sort of way. Like, you're paying
1: for the word here.
0: Yeah, like, one letter, pretty big handwriting. Just, here you go. Here's the gist of what's going on. But the letters that were sent after his death were full of weird details that were not consistent with how Artemis spoke. And they weren't the typical topics that he would usually write about. So an example is, quote, I got poisoned on something I ate in some dump. I was laid up for a few days and my stomach pained me a lot, but I finally got over that. Then I got the flu and I had to go to bed for almost nine weeks. And I guess I was pretty sick.
1: No, I don't like that because it's also given an excuse as to why I might writ- not have written in a while.
0: Yeah, and Ruby read this and was like, "The fuck, this is it, my kid."
1: Yeah, this you is would know bizarre. too. You would, you can tell by writing. Like people can tell their authors, um, and when and they the have f- like fake names,
0: exactly. And then all of a sudden, this right. is like t- typewritten. Oh my god, that reminds. me. Yeah, even if it's, like, a, f- a fake name. And even if you were, like, trying to assume the original name, it's so obvious that it still wasn't written by the same person. Yeah. And actually, there's an author that I love, V.C. Andrews. Mm-hmm. She wrote only one full series of books, because she would she would do these books that were written um, as a series from, like, a family's perspective and stuff, and about these people in a family. Right. So she wrote one full series, The Dollenganger and Ganger Family, and then f- the first two books of her next series. But then she died. So the estate hired a ghostwriter
2: mm-hmm. to
0: take over and finish writing all of these books for her. Yeah. And I didn't know that until like years after I had been reading her books. Mm-hmm. But I can pick up exactly when this ghostwriter came in. Because there's certain elements to these books that were lost. Yeah. So like V.C. Andrews would always have very certain details about like ballet and very like feminine notes mm-hmm. in these books that were like almost like continuity um easter eggs right and then they just died off and i always thought it was weird yeah and then you find out it was a male ghostwriter Yep. and vc andrews was a woman
1: yeah so it was a completely different tone yeah. concept. Yeah. and concept and i
0: was like fuck i could pick up that right away because i love her book so much Yep. but yeah so like that's what ruby's experiencing here she's like the f- Fuck, like, this isn't my kid. And, like, it's a mother. She knows her son. hmm Yeah. In May 1935, so five months after Artemis would have died, another letter supposedly written by him was was sent to her, and it said that he was going to Europe. And it was followed by a special, special delivery letter saying that a ship was sailing that day, and they were both sent from New
1: York.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Five months after he was dead.
1: This is very choreographed.
0: In August of that year, so what is that? Eight months after he's dead? no. Ruby received a call from Memphis, Tennessee. She spoke to the man for half an hour and recalled that he spoke wildly and irrationally, but seemed to have firsthand knowledge of Artemis. The man told her that Artemis had saved his life in a fight and that Artemis himself could not call because he was now living in Cairo, which she presumed was Egypt. Mm -hmm. Um, And apparently he was living in Cairo because he had married this like wealthy woman and was doing great. And the caller said Artemis was unable to write because in this supposed life-saving fight, Artemis had lost one of his thumbs. Okay. And like, I guess on this call, he said who he was. So Ruby gave this name to the police um, to try and help identify this man that was calling her. But this name has never been made public. So I have no idea. Yeah. Um. So, of course, she had told the police, like, yo, I got this weird ass phone call. They say them that. um, Well, by this point. When she had received this phone call, she wouldn't have known that her son was dead. Because remember, it wasn't until November of 1936 that she had seen a newspaper article where they were trying to identify her son. Mm -hmm. So meanwhile, this entire time, she thinks that she's communicating with her kid. So when she finds out that her son is actually dead, she's like, well, what the fuck? Who have I been
1: talking to? people who wanted to stop you from coming forward.
0: So she tells the police, "Okay, so you say that my son was murdered in January 1935. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, for months after, I have been having like correspondence and phone calls with people who say they know my kid and that he's alive." Yep. So like you're going to have to to check out these leads I have for you. Mm-hmm. So she tells the KCPD about this phone call that happened where a buddy calls her from Memphis, Tennessee and says, sorry, your kid can't write to you.
2: Because,
1: yep.
0: first of all, lost his thumb. <laughs> Second of all, he's in Cairo.
1: Yep. He'll so- never be able to write to you again. And he's in Cairo. Now.
0: Yeah. So <laughs> she's like, yo, check up on this. Yeah. So the police are like, well, OK. Like, obviously, we know your kid isn't in Cairo because he's dead. Mm-hmm. But you've given us a name. And we know where these calls are coming from. And they say he supposedly took a trip there, which means there should be a record of it. Obviously, he didn't take a trip in the time frame he's saying. But maybe it's based on some sort of truth where at some point he had taken this trip.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: So the police do look into this for Ruby. But there was no steamship company at the time that had any record that Artemis had traveled with them. The consular section at the U.S. Embassy in Cairo was unable to find any evidence that he had ever been there. And if Artemis had, at some point before his death, gone to Egypt or anywhere else overseas, he had not done so under his own name. So this was a dead end. And they think these calls were some sort of ruse or a way to throw people off the scent of what had actually happened.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can see how that would absolutely fuck an investigation if you continuously
0: burden their resources.
1: Yeah, and also like, you know, you're telling the mother who is the one person who is most likely to be able to identify her son, you're convincing her for months, which is like the critical time that her son's still alive and Mm -hmm. talking to her. So why would she even consider looking at this report saying like, such and such is dead please look at this and tell us if you know them yeah and it's under a fake name too right so
0: and it's also just so weird because they look into these leads like way way later mm-hmm. and they're also like are stuck on the fact that this caller was saying that like he lost a thumb and they're like that's so fucking weird like we know he's dead we can see his, we saw his body he had his thumbs
1: it's an it's an explanation as to why he suddenly started typewriting and Mm -hmm. they started typewriting because no way they could replicate his handwriting
0: exactly it's just and this poor mother yeah who after at this point like almost well i actually like over a year later Mm -hmm. is sitting there like wait so what the fuck kind of experience did i have when i had that phone call with this person like
1: yeah you were talking to someone who in all likelihood knew or was the person who killed your son. Ugh,
0: so eerie.
1: Super creepy. That's as creepy as you can get back then.
0: Information developed through the police's conversations with Ruby and this information helped them establish a third hotel in Kansas City where Artemis had stayed, a hotel called the St. Regis. So there he had shared a room with another man who had signed the hotel registration card as Donald Kelso. The police thought maybe this roommate could be the Don Artemis was waiting for in the hotel president. Okay. Donald Kelso is an important name because obviously Artemis had apparently been waiting in his hotel room for some guy named Don, (laughs) and also because in 1937 the New York City police arrested a man named Joseph Martin, aka Joseph Ogden, on a murder charge after he shot and killed a man that he was sharing a room with. This man is named Oliver George Seinkel, dismembered his body. Cut off a distinct tattoo, put the body parts in a trunk, and put it on a train headed for Memphis. Memphis.
2: What the fuck?
0: The same place the Mysterious Call to Ruby came from. Oh. Just saying. Oh. So the crew on this train found the trunk, and they were like, what the fuck? This is suspicious as hell. So it was held at the station, and then ultimately the, the gruesome discovery was made. There was fucking body parts in it yep and kansas the kids are without
1: the tattoos removed at that point
0: they're removed oh god the tattoos were removed which reminds me of the black dahlia case because when whoever that's also another unsolved one whoever had dismembered her body had also like taken care to specifically remove this tattoo of a rose that she had on her
2: Mm.
0: which is just so creepy so the Kansas a Kansas City magazine obtained Ogden's admission records to Sing Sing prison from New York State Archives, and they show that Ogden served time in several prisons and two insane asylums, including one in Alabama.
2: Hmm.
0: Alabama is where Artemis is from. Okay. Apparently, in 1917, he had walked into a church, drank the communion wine, wiped his mouth on the tablecloth, went home, and then hit his mother over the head with a poker. Oh. So, like, a total mental break. Yeah. And as a result, he was institutionalized. Okay. But then he later escaped from that asylum. The admissions documents also note that he'd been married multiple times. He spent time living with one of his sisters in Detroit, escaped prison at least once before and had a quote history of homosexuality okay most captivating of all ogden used several aliases obviously i mean when he was first arrested they thought his name was joseph martin Mm -hmm. but it was apparently joseph ogden another one of the aliases that he was found to have used was donald kelso
1: okay on.
0: Investigators also found this to be insanely captivating and they were certain that Ogden was their guy because Artemis, under an alias as well,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and a man named Donald Kelso had checked into the St. Regis together. According to a story about the case in the New Yorker, the KCPD had matched samples of Ogden's handwriting to that in the letters written to Ruby Ogletree. Okay. But actually, according to an FBI report, quote, it was concluded that the signature of Donald Kelso on the hotel registration card was not written by Joseph Ogden. Mm. So this handwriting sample is apparently meaningless. Okay. So with police exhausting all leads on Ogden being the murderer, they had to drop him as their prime suspect. No charges were filed against him. And the KCPD kept Artemis's case open, but it is still incredibly
1: a huge, compelling. A huge coincidence again. <laughs> this is fucking up my theory. <laughs> Fucked my theory up. I have to switch it up again.
0: The police files show that different detectives reviewed um, the case of Artemis Ogletree every few years throughout the 1950s. Each time they noted that they would keep the case open and follow up, but sadly no new evidence was uncovered. Naturally, with no solid leads, more questions than answers, and constant dead ends, the case went cold. All right. A, a weird development that never comes up again, but I am going to talk about it because I find it very fascinating, as well as like kind of confusing and also like aggravating. But I'll just tell you, I'll just tell you what happened. So, in 2003, like fucking years and years later, Mm -hmm. a local historian at the Kansas City Public Library named John Horner received a call from someone out of state who said that they had been helping to inventory the belongings of an elderly person who had recently died. Among these belongings, there was a shoebox that was filled with newspaper clippings related to the Ogletree case. And one specific item mentioned in the newspaper stories that could tie this now deceased elderly person could also tie that person to the murder. What? So the caller did not identify themselves or what this item was specifically. And this fucking dude, John Horner, apparently didn't even ask. Didn't ask, who is this elderly person? What is this item that you're talking about? And he did not tell anybody about this call until he just randomly decided to make it public in a post for the library's blog in 2012. Oh, my
1: God. So, like,
0: almost a decade later. later.
1: I cannot stress, people, develop a state (laughs) of curiosity as your default, because Jesus Christ, you could get a call like that I, and hate your life for a decade not I knowing. hate
0: his life, and all I've done is read this essentially paragraph, mm-hmm. and that's why I was like, I have to mention it because I find it, it's fascinating. Like, yep. what? You you received this call and and you didn't fucking ask one question? If I got this call, I would have fucking...
1: What year was this again?
0: The call came in in 2003.
1: There are records. Someone checked that goddamn number.
0: And, and he didn't talk about it until 2012 when he just decided to write about it on his library blog. But it's like, bro... Uh, who was this old person if they're calling out of state what state did you ask what state did you did you put it together what state
2: mm-hmm.
0: okay so whatever this item is was only mentioned in a newspaper that's weird it couldn't have been that private if it was mentioned in the newspaper so what item was it mm-hmm. how what other articles were in the shoebox is it just related to the Ogletree tree case or was there a bunch of weird shit in yeah, here yeah
1: why, why so vague wouldn't you just be like i have, I have you're gonna want to hear this
0: like <laughs> so many questions and it's so frustrating like bro Bro, you literally work at the Kansas City Public Library where you also have like a hand in like archiving and, and keeping like these, these newspaper articles yourself. So like why when you ask more questions this is even like a curious entity to be like, a newsca- newspaper clippings wow what was this thing in a newspaper i literally work in a library let me go down to archives and try and find this newspaper that you're talking about let yeah see what this item is like
1: most librarians jump on that too oh. i remember going to the fucking hamilton one i asked him some mundane shit and they were They're like pumped to help you yeah they were like let me whoa, it's when, third floor let's go and i'm like okay
0: <laughs> isn't that frustrating yeah so i had to mention it because i'm just like the fuck john horner what are you doing bud is it even true? Like, re- did you just decide uh, nine years later to publish it on your blog because your library is dying and you have no notoriety? So you decided that you would just make this random blog post? Like, Ballsy is it even move. true?
1: Ballsy move.
0: <sighs> so many questions.
1: I, don't think I can't
0: be, be alone it. in my frustration. Like, that's aggravating, right? Yeah,
1: that's infuriating. Good. And also, like, what happened? Did you, would this guy just call, mention that, and hang up? Like,
0: It's so weird. I have no more information because somebody didn't fucking ask any questions and yeah. decided to fucking talk about it for nine years. John Horner, I hope you're listening. What the fuck?
1: Yeah. Either, you, either you're super inept and weren't paying attention or you fucking made it up. I know. You know, so like.
0: If you're listening, actually, I hope you are so you can reach out to us and, and let us know your train of thought here. Is there more that wasn't reported? Did you try and ask questions? Did they hang up on you? Did they all of a sudden start speaking a foreign language? What happened?
2: Yeah,
1: anything. And also, all of those details would have been great to put in your blog in 2012 or whatever the fuck it was.
2: It was 2012.
1: Yeah. Okay. Anyway. So frustrating. Yeah.
2: You had
0: a great potential lead buddy
1: let's turn the page on that chapter
0: okay so the absence of suspects evidence and motive in the case has inspired the rise of several theories surrounding why artemis ogletree was murdered and by who you ready to get into the theories yes All right, get ready because this is gonna be wild ride it's probably gonna hurt your brain a bit because we're getting into the theories and uh you're probably gonna spiral because we got a ton of stuff to talk about okay so the first theory as to what happened to artemis and who murdered him
2: mm-hmm.
0: we will just start with joseph ogden because we had recently talked about him joseph ogden slash joseph martin slash donald kelso A.K.A. apparently his real name is actually Boyd Smith. Okay. So.
1: (laughs) The worst name of everyone with names in this thing.
0: Oh, he's got, like I said, when the police had talked to him, he was known to use several aliases. Mm -hmm. Because in that part of the story, I had referred to him as Joseph Ogden. For continuity's sake and to be less confusing, we're just going to call him Ogden. Right. That's who we're talking about here. Mm -hmm. So, like, Artemis, Joseph Ogden, was also from Birmingham, Alabama. They were not the same age, but if their families were acquainted, that could explain maybe how this mystery caller and letter writer knew who Ruby was mm-hmm. and knew how to contact her or the family. Right, And it might also explain the difference donald kelso connection and how they came to check into the same hotel together it's right. it's pretty fitting
1: yeah because if you're gonna be ballsy enough to try and convince the mother of the person who just died that her son's still alive you would probably need to have a pretty good understanding of her son mm-hmm. like a significant understanding like an intimate
0: exactly. understanding. exactly and yeah. it would suggest that you have spent time with him
1: scandalous
0: in december 1937 which is when ogden was booked into sing sing prison in new york for the murder of his roommate mm-hmm. the oliver george cynical 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 i don't know how to say it.
1: s-a-n-e-c-a-l
0: yeah so that guy yep. sadly he murdered him he said that he had been in new york for about two years So when he was arrested, he was like, yeah, you know, I've been here for like two years. Mm -hmm. This sort of matches up with the timeline of the case with Artemis if he had kind of drifted up to New York after murdering Artemis in 1935. Mm -hmm. So like a two-year span when he could have just made his way up there, posted up. There's also the reports that document that Ogden had a quote-unquote history of homosexuality. And
2: (gasps) –
0: and this has led people to speculate that Oliver, the man he murdered, yeah. wasn't just a roommate, that maybe that they were lovers.
1: They were close. They were the best of friends.
0: They were <laughs> They were roommates, and you can't convince me. <laughs> so that they weren't roommates, but they were lovers, and they had some sort of terrible quarrel, which led to Oliver's horrible death. This also lent... It can, like, lend to the suspicion that Artemis and Dawn were lovers. And if this is true, it sort of means that Ogden has a history of murdering people that he's roommates with and lovers with. Yeah. When registering at these various hotels in Kansas City, Artemis had stated that he was from L.A. And it appears that Ogden had a connection to California. So when he was arrested for murdering Oliver, he said he was unwilling to give his real name because he had a relative in Hollywood who was a famous actress, and he did not want to impact her career. And this actually turns out to be true. He had a relative, most likely a niece, whose stage name was Gail Patrick, and he had actually listed her as his contact person in his World War II draft card, where he lists his residence as Central Park, Hollywood, California. Oh. So he did legitimately have ties to California, and he did legitimately have a famous relative that was an actress.
1: Okay. Explains the flair for dramatics.
0: <laughs> so it also ties in Artemis, where it's like, why are we saying you're female Like, I don't know, maybe you at some point were traveling with Donald Kelso yeah. slash Joseph Ogden, and just decided to stick to that as well. Mm-hmm. Ogden also spent time in Alabama, California, Michigan, and New York for sure.
1: That's literally running the gambit.
0: And he probably traveled to other places too. Yeah. It's just that this is like distinctly what we've been talking about and what's reported. So it's obvious that he lived a pretty like transient lifestyle. And at this point in Artemis's life, he his situation at the time was that he was sort of living a pretty transient life as well because his road trip was just supposed to be to California but all of a sudden he's in Missouri so like
2: Mm -hmm.
0: maybe he was traveling around too Yep. oh and that's another place Ogden could have been if he is the Donald Kelso that signed into the hotel with Artemis and he was in Missouri as well another place to add to the list so finally and I already hinted at this when we're talking about it. But it is interesting that Ogden had tried to ship the trunk containing Oliver's body to Memphis. And the mystery man he spoke to Ruby on the phone was supposedly calling from Memphis. So with this Joseph Ogden slash Boyd Smith. Joseph Martin Donald Kelso. Whatever alias you want to call him.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: There is a few things that he can sort of fit together. So there. this is one of the theories that people speculate on this man is responsible for Artemis's death.
1: Yeah. I, can I, put um, I now?
0: Oh, yeah, sorry.
1: Yeah. I, I had to change it from a lover's quarrel, but I initially thought that it was Gene Owen. I initially thought that this was tied to Gene Owen because it's just like, usually if something's a coincidence, it's not a fucking coincidence. Mm-hmm. But I think now, like, the most obnoxiously in-your-face coincidence is that you had these two people who had long connections of being acquainted with each other in whatever capacity, and then one ends up dead, and the other one ends up killing another person who also happened to be their roommate. So I think it's pretty... If you're just going to run with, like the like i forget what razor is called but it's just the Occam's most razor. razor then i really got to lean towards all evidence is kind of pointing to ogden being the the killer here
0: and it seems so fitting which is why it's frustrating that at the end of the day with investigators who also a lot of the investigators firmly believe that he is responsible
2: mm-hmm. but you
0: had the fbi come in and be like no oh, the handwriting
1: doesn't match
0: when yeah. it's like, at the end of the day, it's just handwriting. But, like, people can disguise their handwriting. Ha- yeah, they
1: can- and like, handwriting identification, I'm going to sound like an asshole, but like, it's a pseudoscience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's like a, it's not I know a, what you mean, it's not yeah. a, fa- like, you're not going to be able to, it, there's a part of artistry involved, so there means there's a part of error involved. So, I, I mean, like, yeah, okay, I can see the FBI reasonably fucking that up. Um, But, like, what are the fucking odds that you have these these two guys, there's a... It's, oh, God, there's a history of homosexuality or whatever. <laughs> it's 1935.
0: But, or, yeah, yeah. Or when Artemis is murdered, it's 1935, when the report was written for Ogden. I have no idea when that portion but, was written, but... But it, it justifies
1: the aliases. There's mm-hmm. a requirement to hide it. Mm-hmm. They're in the same places at the same time. Yep. And, and then this guy also... Ogden also... Later, is caught killing his roommate, mm-hmm. which would be like another situation, like which a, people a similar situation where it's a pattern. Wasn't patter.
0: just a roommate; it was a, yeah, a bad.
1: yeah, exactly. It's not probably not just a roommate, but also to be contacting the mother afterwards to have right. that. That's such an important
0: part. That is so bizarre. For
1: months and months, knowing Up that you have months. to cover your tracks, and the and the way to cover your tracks is you have to. Continue conversations that he was having with his mother, and also because you were probably in an intimate relationship with this person, you would have the balls and the and the tools to be able to continue con- conversing with the mother, and then also being smart enough, quote unquote smart enough, to explain away why suddenly you're using a typewriter, mm-hmm. and then saying like, oh, he, he's in Cairo, and he'll never be able to handwrite you. Again, because he lost his thumb from this valiant fight he was in. Like, those are like very intimate details that you could give to the mother that would
2: in cover your, your track. In
1: your eyes, would cover your track.
0: Meanwhile, as soon as she re- started receiving it, she was like, "The fuck." Yeah, I think
1: I think Ogden's <laughs> biggest fuck up was he assumed he he obviously made this comparison where the way he talked to Ogden would be similar to the way that he talked to his mother and we know that the way he talked to his mother was actually very breft it would be right to the point almost like you were being paid by the you were paying by the word yeah it
0: was very like matter of fact almost like just a, a not like a business transaction but it was like Here's where I am. Here's what I'm doing. I need money, or I don't. Yeah. I'm looking for work. Love and, you. Bye.
1: And, and now, all of a sudden, the letters aren't handwritten anymore, mm-hmm. and they are almost—they're almost excessive in the way that it's—it's it's not a conversation that would obviously be put through letter, but almost like it would be a conversation you have face to face, which mm-hmm. would be something Ogden would be more familiar with. Like, oh, I don't feel well, whatever. Exactly. Which, which also, I mean, like, I I do recognize the, oh, I don't feel well for whatever amount of time was a very convenient way to explain away why there might be a gap in communication. But, you know, the level of detail and shit that he just suddenly started putting in the letter didn't fit. Mm-hmm. And it seems like something that would be more a face-to-face conversation than, than a thought-out communication with his mother. Exactly. But anyway, that's my running theory. It has been completely removed <laughs> from what my initial theory was. I which liked was,
0: hearing your initial theory. I thought that it was, it was captivating. I knew based on my research that like she never comes up again, but it was still a good theory.
1: Yeah, because I mean, like it. My running theory before Ogden was brought under the <laughs> scene was captivated by Gene, uh, Gene Owen. Gene Owen. Because I thought that there was a there was something very strange in gene owens saying that she heard a woman's voice coming from the room next door and the poetic kind of nature of a mr and mrs Owen side by side <laughs> in this hotel i know and also the fact that um he was initially running away from the, what was the hotel before that he was at? Moolabock. The Moolabock. Like, that he had been at the Moolabock before, and then also this guy who picked him up when he was looking for a cab. He had a cut on his arm, and he said, someone's gonna fucking die for this or whatever. Yeah. Like, it, it sounded <laughs> like someone had a hit on him for um, for having an affair. And then the poetic justice with these phone calls that were very elaborate saying cheaters get what they deserve. (laughs) It sounded like someone fucked with someone's wife when they shouldn't have. And they got caught and they like put like a very poetic, like, oh, like, yeah, like when you check in, check in under his alias' last name. So it's Mm -hmm. Mr. and Mrs. Owens or no whatever. But that was sadly blown apart by this other's angle. And it's really too much to ignore to put on that other story. So I, I really do think that it's his old roommate that killed him. Or a quote unquote roommate.
0: Quote unquote roommate, maybe lover. We're not sure.
1: Probably lover.
0: Your like original running theory though is a good segue here because one of the other theories, as you know, like sort of surrounding why Artemis Ogletree was murdered, is that there was an affair that was happening mm-hmm. so in part one um i had told you guys about the telephone calls that were made to the funeral home where the caller talks about you know the quote-unquote encounter
2: mm-hmm.
0: which was essentially alleged alleging that artemis was killed in retaliation for cheating on his fiance. yeah so people speculate this theory fits because the caller seemed very confident about the circumstances surrounding Artemis's murder, M- maybe Artemis had been cheating on his fiancée and in a fit of rage, his fiancée ended up killing him with the help of her brother. Mm-hmm. And I say brother because the anonymous person who was ready to fund Artemis's funeral requested the funeral home bury Artemis in the Memorial Park Cemetery as it would, quote unquote, be near my sister.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: what's interesting about this to me is like it doesn't have to mean that his sister is in the cemetery as well like maybe she's not dead maybe his sister is alive and like lives near this place or like frequents the area
1: could be you can um book plotting for when you do die you know you'll be in that cemetery Mm mm-hmm but you're not dead. Yeah. yeah. Like that that happens years and years in advance.
0: Yes. Yeah. It does. Or if like someone dies sooner than you, then you just get a headstone that has both your names on it. Yeah. No. So bleak. <laughs> it is very bleak, especially like I mean
1: like, imagine imagine someone dies and you go see the fucking thing and your tombstone's right next to it. It's got your fucking name on it.
0: Yeah, and there's also like situations like personally in my family There is someone that um, we love very much, and he passed away, and his wife's name is on the other half of the headstone, and she immediately left and married some other, like, gross fucker and did not even care that her husband died. And so now her name is on the other half of his headstone. And there's no way in hell anyone will bury her next to him. Yeah. But it's permanently on that headstone.
2: I would get
1: that changed.
0: It's fucked.
1: I would get that changed.
0: But yeah, so this is one of the theories that there was an affair. And, you know, people are like, well, yeah, these phone calls were weird. They seem to hint at this caller knowing more and actually, Mm -hmm. like, caring about uh, paying for the burial and whatever. And Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the other theories. That's.
1: It's very sweet in a very twisted way.
0: Love forever. Louise.
1: It's super dramatic.
0: This could also just be like you know, like nosy nellies who like wanna stick their fucking nose into someone's business and are like, ooh, let's make this dramatic and more like meaningful than it is. I'll just like sell the money and seem like I'm part of it. But I'm actually just bored. Mm-hmm. Like who knows?
1: Yeah, I guess.
0: Another theory is this quote-unquote Dawn and or the sex worker theory. Okay. All right.
1: I'm here for the sex worker theory. What's going on?
0: So Dawn or, you know, whoever he was, people think maybe he acted alone in killing Artemis for some personal reason. And then there's also a possibility that it was with the help of a sex worker who was known to frequent the hotel. So way back in part one, I told you about Jean Owen and how she had said that she wasn't the only or like how, how she said that when she was in the hotel, she had heard like people being really loud on the 10th floor and speaking profanely and it was really rowdy and whatever. hmm. So apparently she was not the only one to notice that the 10th floor was bumping, and that there was unusual late night activity. So the elevator operator, a guy named Charles Blocker, he began his shift at midnight on January 4th. And he reported to police that he was fairly busy until about 1.30 in the morning. After that time, most of the hotel quieted down for the night, except for this loud-ass bumpin' party on the 10th floor, Mm -hmm. specifically in room 1055. Oh, okay. So, the elevator operator, Charles, he recalled one visitor in particular, a woman that he had seen at the hotel visiting male guests in their rooms on other occasions. And the other staff in the hotel had seen her before, and it sort of led everyone to believe that she was a sex worker. Okay. So she took the elevator for the first time at some point during the first three hours of his shift. And he took her to the 10th floor, and she asked about room 1026. Five minutes later, the elevator was summoned to the 10th floor again, and it was the same woman who was apparently confused that her client wasn't in room 1026, even though he called her to visit him there. Apparently, she also said she had seen this client multiple times, so she didn't know why he would either lie or mix up his rooms or whatever. Mm -hmm. She wondered if, in fact, he was in room 1024, the room right next to it, and she had mixed up the digits. She knew someone was in room 1024 because she could see light through the window's transom window. A transom window was like the room above the door, the window above the door.
1: Oh, okay. So she could see like
0: light in there. She's like, well, obviously someone's in there. So after talking herself through this whole thought process, she was like, all right, you know what? Never mind. I don't need the elevator. Mm -hmm. So she remained on the tenth floor and presumably went to check out that room. Mm -hmm. And then the elevator attendant left. A half hour later, the elevator attendant got another signal to take the elevator back to the tenth floor. The woman who was waiting was the same woman. All a right. sex worker.
1: This poor woman. And thirty minutes later. <laughs> still lost.
0: So he took her down to the lobby this time. An hour later he took her and a man to the ninth floor. At four fifteen AM, a signal from the ninth floor turned out to be this same woman and the elevator attendant took her to the lobby where she left the hotel for the night. Okay. And was reportedly not not seen again that night. About 15 minutes later, 15 minutes after she had left, the elevator attendant got another signal to go to the ninth floor. And this time it was that man she had taken to, up to the ninth floor before. Okay. And apparently he told the elevator attendant that he couldn't sleep and he was going to go for a walk. I don't know if he returned or not. Okay. So whether these activities that happened on the ninth floor um were related to Artemis Ogletree and his murder mm-hmm. has never been established but yeah 4:15 is the time that that signal was received to take them out of the building and that lines up with what the doctor said the blood spatter had likely been there since 4 or 5 a.m. Okay. It's also been speculated that The woman was looking for room 1026, but maybe she was actually looking for room 1046. was Mm. called to that room to see Artemis, but for some reason, whatever happened, she had heard 26 or wrote down 26 or got confused, maybe didn't write it down and assumed 26 right? when it was actually 46.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: And this man that she had been with could have been Dawn. And the sex worker could have been the woman that Ogletree was cheating on his fiance with. If he ha- if she's a frequent sex worker of hotels, maybe he was seeing her in these hotels.
1: Okay.
2: Seems like still a stretch
1: to me because there's nothing tying it. I the- can see how people clutch on it though.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: The room, like I had said, that the doctor was like, oh, between four and five a.m is when this blood spatter likely happened. Mm -hmm. So exactly that. The room would have been covered in blood. So they would be covered in blood. Yep. And this could line up with the fact that Artemis was nude and none of his clothes were there. So maybe they took his clothes and wore them out and there was no... Toilet trees or towels or anything. So maybe they also took those with them to mm-hmm. the ninth floor where they maybe had their own room and used all of this stuff to clean themselves up with, ditched their blood stained, blood spattered clothes and wore his out.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: And it would be interesting to know if this man or the woman were wearing that, like, dark overcoat that artemis was wearing when he checked in because that dark overcoat was never found so I, it would be so interesting to know if someone had noted like yeah like he came in dressed like whatever and then left wearing this random like dark overcoat that also or Ar- artemis had been wearing mm-hmm. it'd be so interesting to know that
1: yeah yeah
0: so that is the like dawn and sex worker angle okay but there's also a different sex worker angle
1: All right, that we
0: should focus on
1: the sex workers have so many angles
0: here we go oh, yeah that's what they get paid for <laughs> so, so maybe there wasn't two people involved in this murder right. so the Don and, Don and the sex worker maybe there was just one and maybe it wasn't a female sex worker maybe okay. Artemis was hiring a male sex worker and since it was the 1930s he did not want people to know, so he was, being, he was being very secretive about his liaisons. All right. Or maybe Artemis was the sex worker, and Dawn was a client that he was waiting for. Oh. There's also the fact that Artemis was frequenting hotels in the area and changing up locations. So maybe it wasn't that the mulebok was too expensive. Like he had told Mary and Randolph, maybe he was actually drawing attention to, his, to himself and his male guests and he had to keep on the move. Because mm-hmm. it's the 30s and like being gay is apparently a, b- a big deal. Yeah. In a bad way. Yeah. He could have met with foul play because one of his clients was like pissed off that he'd been caught in the act or maybe seen together and maybe someone had saw them together and accused him of being gay or whatever. And that's why Don was being so weird about like actually going there on time and Mm -hmm. meeting him at this new hotel. And maybe he met foul play because someone is uncomfortable that they're gay.
1: Right. Okay. He
0: was. And like. What kind of goes in line with this theory, and this is all just my opinion, is that he wasn't giving the doctor or the police any answers or information. So when they were asking, like, who did this to you? Like, what happened? Whatever. So, like, this could suggest that he was ashamed of how the injuries happened. Like, if it was a gay lover or a gay client.
1: Or doesn't want to be incriminated. mm mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe because... I would hope that they're not ashamed that they are a sex worker in it
0: the so 1930s. You would be. Yeah, yeah. Especially so if it Christian was same sex. Yeah. There's also like, a, like potential problems with this theory. Like, if this was the case, then the murder would probably want, like, if if you are ashamed of being gay, then you would probably want to fly under the radar. So like, you wouldn't want to draw attention to yourself, and the murderer, potentially the murderer, was, like, making all these weird phone calls and writing to Ruby's, to Ruby, his mother. Yeah. So, like, you would maybe want to, like, fly under the radar and also if you were just a client, then, like, how would you know about Ruby and, like, how to reach her? hmm But, like, it's still an interesting angle.
1: Yeah, it's a new angle, but, yeah, I think you're right. I think Even the... if it was,
0: like, same-sex involved, maybe it wasn't necessarily, like, sex work.
1: Like, yeah, I maybe... don't think it's a sex work angle. I... I'm pretty convinced that like there's a relationship because I I it does specifically seem because like of the a letters of the
0: passion and it does seem like so intimate. Crime. passion,
1: passion.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, I am absolutely hell bent on all these phone calls taking place. With someone wearing a very extravagant fur coat, and <laughs> so
0: and like I said, clutching their lapels.
1: Oh, absolutely. Every
0: time they talk, they have their hands like right on their chest, clutching yep. their jacket like it's this is the final. I'll speak.
1: Yeah, and they're they're dramatically looking out the fire escape window, like as, it's as if it's raining they outside. They have no
0: hair, but every head movement they do is like they're flipping their hair. It's
1: RuPaul, is what I want to say. Okay, okay, but <laughs> it's like- evil RuPaul. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Like Mama Ru would not murder no one.
1: No, no, no. Evil RuPaul. Ew. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Hypothetical alternate universe evil RuPaul.
1: Yeah, just really channeling. Not
0: Mama her. Ru, Papa Ru. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Another theory mm-hmm. that people have is that Artemis was murdered by a man named Joe Simpson. Now, you're making a face like what? Mm -hmm. and it's because like we have not talked about joe simpson yet i've never mentioned his name until right now but it is a theory that uh people do find compelling especially ruby herself she thinks that joe simpson is the one that is responsible for artemis's death so joe simpson went to high school with artemis And they were good enough friends to go on a road trip to California after they graduated. Mm -hmm. This is the whole reason that Artemis had left Birmingham in the first place. He had gone on this road trip. Right. To, you know, I don't know, expand his worldly knowledge. I'm not sure. Can't speak for him.
1: Jack Kerouac before Jack Kerouac. Got it.
0: Ruby suspected Simpson knew more about Artemis' death than he was letting on because his behavior allegedly changed and he became very reserved and distant. He apparently did not grieve his friend at all. He didn't like seem impacted by the death
2: mm-hmm. and
0: he didn't really express condolences to the family and Ruby kept reaching out to meet with Simpson and talk about the case and see what he knew about her son. And he repeatedly blew her off and would not show up for their scheduled meetings. Right. And he apparently would also make comments about how, like, oh, they're never going to catch who murdered him and, like, laugh about it. Like, oh, they're never going to catch him. There's no way. Right. And Ruby was like, that's fucking rude and disrespectful, you little fucking shit. And when it comes to the mysterious letters and phone calls that Ruby had been receiving, mm-hmm. you know, like before she knew that her son was dead, but like obviously he was. Right. Simpson was familiar with Artemis's family and would know how to contact them.
1: Right, okay.
0: And since they left on their road trip together, Simpson would have been aware that Artemis was writing letters to his family. And if he did kill him, Those letters would stop getting sent, which would draw attention to him since he was the last person to be with Artemis. So he figured he'd return home without Artemis, and he'd be like, oh, like Artemis, he wanted to stay behind and travel more and, like, whatever. But he decided that he would string Ruby along with fake letters and weird phone calls to keep the heat off of him until he came up with the idea for Artemis to disappear to Egypt. Right, okay. So apparently... When Ruby had received that weird-ass call from Memphis, or, like, supposedly Memphis, where, like, the guy's like, oh, you know, like, he lost his thumb, and he's in Cairo, and whatever.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Apparently, Ruby thought that the voice was familiar. And when she was talking to Simpson at a later date, she claimed that she knew it was him on the phone that day. And she was quoted as saying... I looked Joe square in the eyes and told him I would know the voice that talked to me from Memphis. He turned red, dropped his eyes, and was very nervous.
2: End quote. hmm
0: So, Ruby is, like, pretty credible for, in, in a lot of ways, like, she was onto it immediately when she started seeing receiving these certain letters
2: mm-hmm. and
0: she was like I know this is not my fucking kid like he would not type write type use a typewriter
1: yeah he's
0: he's talking about weird shit that we've never talked about before this is not the cadence he would use this is not the conversational like tone he would use this is really weird
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it's just I don't know I don't know if it's Joe Simpson I yeah, feel I'm like, not convinced. I feel like because there isn't very many answers, she does not know personally know any of these other like suspects that happened or like any of these other theories that had arisen.
1: Maybe mm-hmm. because
0: she personally knows Joe and thinks he's being weird, it's something that she could like latch onto.
1: Yeah, that's what I think so too. And also, if you're gonna try and ask me whether it's in all likelihood, um an acquaintance acquaintance joe right that he knew or um his other roommate who also two years later is then picked up for murder (laughs) i'm going with the roommate picked up for murder i know other than the mother who understandably is emotionally tied to this whole thing and goes i recognize that voice which on a phone call like People I know who call me don't sound the same on a phone. Like So I don't know. Anyway, I know. And I, if
0: you're like from Tennessee you're calling from Tennessee or whatever, like you could like put on like a Southern accent or something maybe. And if you're in Alabama, you also have a Southern accent and it's like. Right. Maybe you could just like play the part. Yeah. Like it's really hard to say. And it would have been a long distance call in the 30s. Yeah. Like, God knows what kind of connection that was. Yeah. Which actually is, like, making me think, like, if you really did call from Memphis, Tennessee, how expensive would that phone call be? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) pay for that phone call jesus remember when Christ. i was
1: asking about what happens when you unplug a phone and the light in the patchboard? Well, and we just went don't add layers to this i think that's one of those situations
0: okay. <laughs> so for this particular theory with it being like the friend joe simpson there yeah. is like if i think about it like potential motive of like well maybe because they were traveling together and they were staying in different hotels together is it possible if we're going from like the like gay angle, like, mm-hmm. is was Artemis, like, hitting on his friend and, like, maybe made a move? And Simpson was like, yo, I'm reacting incredibly poorly to this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Weird that he said it like that, but I appreciate it, I guess.
0: <laughs> but then it's like, okay, even if that did happen and Joe was like, I'm reacting incredibly poorly to this, why was he bound? Yeah. And, like, meticulously seemingly tortured. And then it's like, okay, well, let's not focus on that. There is something more in favor of this motive where, like, Artemis, when the doctor was questioning him, he would not say who did this to him. So was it because it was Simpson and they were, like, longtime friends and he did not want to out his friend for doing it? But then it's like, okay, but then who the fuck is Dawn? And where does he fit into all of this? And like why did like uh, and if and if Joe was there, then wouldn't they have like checked in to the president hotel together?
1: Yeah, there's there's just nothing there for me to be I like know. Joe did this. Like other than people just saying he was in his life. So like I I really have nothing to be like Joe did it.
0: And maybe like I don't want to you know, like when Ruby is trying to figure out what happened to her son, she's very confused and very grieving mother who just wants to know what the fuck happened to her kid mm-hmm. but like
1: latch on to anything you got. maybe
0: she was really 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 intense and joe was like i'm afraid of you so he was yeah. reacting like nervously or yeah
1: and joe probably was like i want nothing to do with this understandably yeah because like back in 1930 whatever there's no like dna and
0: you were you were traveling with him but like maybe he actually did come back on his own and was like dude i want to go home i don't want to keep traveling i don't want to go to missouri or wherever the fuck like we did our road trip to california that was fun i'm going home and then maybe artemis was like okay well i'm gonna stay on the road and chill and keep writing to my mom or whatever yeah and then to have ruby like where the fuck is my son you must know more and joe's like i'm afraid
1: Joe would probably be like, look, I had nothing to do with this, but I also know that I'm one of the people, like, around, like, close people around him. That would, me putting myself out there and being like, you know, Mm -hmm. here's all this shit, it just makes me a witness or, like, a, a, a suspect. A suspect, yeah. And, like, I understand that. So, I understand the reticence to say anything, but also, I think you're right. I think the mother was probably very fucking intense. Yeah. And it's, well, we know that because that fucking comment is very confrontational I know, right that's very acu- like she's straight up went like you did it yeah um so yeah i'm sure his face went red
0: <laughs> he's like i cry now
1: yeah because like <laughs> jesus christ like and what are you gonna do snap back at the grieving mother no so you bite your tongue you take it and you walk away right mm-hmm. like what else are you gonna do
0: and also to be like he turned red and his eyes dropped i turned red so easily like i could not have I wouldn't have done like anything wrong or there would, I would be totally in line and saying something totally coherent. But if I know people are looking at me, then I will turn like completely red Mm -hmm. and like, who knows? Maybe he just blushes easy too. So yeah, I'm with you. I just, I want to be with Ruby. I want to agree with her, you know, stance, but I just don't see Joe being involved. No. Lastly, the th- the big theory that um, people sort of, like, lean on or focus on or whatever. So the last one we'll talk about is... Aliens. Aliens. Mm-hmm. He was probed. Oh.
1: Oh. Oh.
0: You took it to aliens. Is mob ties. Uh-huh. So organized crime has also been considered as one of the sort of you know, theories behind why Artemis died, because the name Dawn is also a title for a mob boss. Mm. So maybe Artemis had gotten himself into trouble with some sort of, like, organized crime unit. Maybe he had borrowed money, whether it was for, like, a gambling debt or some sort of other debt, and uh, he had gotten himself into some trouble. In a letter that Artemis wrote to his dad, he said, quote, I'm in debt up to my neck. Uh-oh. So, like, I don't know, maybe some Don wanted his fucking money back. Or maybe he was in, had, like, mob ties, but it wasn't, like, for debt. Maybe he was, like, some sort of, like, mule or whatever that, like, fucked something up. Yeah. And people were like, you gotta pay.
1: Yeah. All right, I can see that. That was my running theory initially.
0: And, yeah, and I mean, it kind of...
1: Back when I was wrong.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, like, you can draw those parallels, especially because, again, going back on the fact that when the doctor was there asking him questions, he was not giving up any information. So, like, maybe he didn't want to help the police or, like, assist anyone in any way because, you know, like, he didn't want to say what happened to him because it was some sort of, like, mob tie. And he was like, fuck, I already have fucked myself enough. Mm-hmm. I'm not about to out the people that did this to me, because then I'm definitely going to die.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah? Okay. Let's see where that's going. I still think that it he would do the same if it was uh, a same-sex lover. hmm So, <laughs> I'm still on that one. Um... I, I do think that, like, the charismatic phone calls and stuff as much as i want to believe that that would be like a chef's kiss like mob boss like (laughs) oh they like the last thing they were they were forgetting was leaving like one single rose on the grave like (laughs) as much as i want to believe that dramatic kind of scene like i don't think so i i I don't think that was because they want to lie low right they're not gonna call up All dramatic and like rub it in the face of investigators and all this kind of stuff, putting themselves back into it. They're gonna hit they're gonna also they're gonna hit and quit. Like they're gonna kill you and fuck off.
0: They're not gonna like hang out in your room all night and like bind you and torture you and leave you alive. If it's Mm -hmm. a mob hit, they're going in there, silencer, quick hit, no mess, and they're out.
1: Yeah, and you're gone, yeah. it's not
0: a like prolonged process and like leaving behind a witness. Like that's insane. Yeah, You're going to make sure that fucking guy's dead. You're not going to get up close and personal and stab him and bite yeah, pro- him. Yeah, they probably and... wouldn't even
1: do that in the fucking hotel. They would find you on the street.
0: No, yeah, they'd be like, oh, no big deal. Um, Roland, Artemis, whatever we're calling you. Yeah. Come meet us out here in the fucking sticks.
1: Yeah, and I, I know that people are probably thinking back to the previous time where he got the cut on his arm and he was running for his life or, or but, seems like he was.
0: Yeah, but the police don't even think that that was him.
1: Okay, I was going to say, like, even if you're tying to that, like, they wouldn't have fucked up like that. No. You wouldn't have gotten away.
0: Yeah, and after the police heard that eyewitness come forward, they were like, like, thank you, but I, we are all very hesitant to think this is even the guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, thanks, so, but no. That is, that kind of, like, that ends off, the big like major theories of what could have happened. You know, we got the mob ties, we got Joe Simpson, uh, the sex work angle, whether it was multiple people involved, if it was a woman, there could be the alternate angle of Artemis being the sex worker or same sex, sex working. Mm -hmm. There's the affair angle. And then there's the Joseph Ogden angle. Mm -hmm. Which also has the same sex um, angle in it. Yeah. And not that my opinion matters at all, but just based on, like, the research I've done, the deep diving I've done into, like, putting all this together, I tend to lean toward it being Joseph Ogden slash Donald Kelso. Yeah. Um, I think he obviously has this MO of uh, brutally murdering his roommates, who are potentially his lovers. Yeah. And there's so many connections. So many. Uh, it's just, it's
2: well,
1: so crazy. What I kept coming back to her, what are the odds he didn't do it? <laughs> like, what are it the odds this guy had? Yeah, what are the odds? You guys know anyone and who it, killed someone?
0: All of the detectives were like, it is him. It's him. It's him. He did it. Yeah. And the FBI was like, well, handwriting doesn't match. <laughs> and it's like, fuck that. Who cares yeah. if the, what, is the handwriting going to be what, like, holds up in court? My God, I don't care that it's 1930.
1: Didn't it wasn't the FBI, like, shit in the bed back then, too? Till, like, Eleanor Roosevelt or, no, FDR or something came in? It was Roosevelt in. at I this was point. Yeah. Yeah. He was the one like, turned it around, but, like, it wasn't... It wasn't a,
0: even the FBI at this point, so, yeah, it had to be turned around, because it got a whole fucking new name.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, like, they weren't, like, they weren't, like, the the FBI we know today who is, like... Mm-mm jesus christ that's like organized on organized they're not fucking around like this was like you know a little more wild west it was yeah
0: sort of, like, other oddities to do with this case. And it's kind of just meaning, like, stuff I picked up on while writing this episode that stands out to me, that I thought would be interesting to talk about. Okay. Obviously, number one is the phone. The phone plays such a significant role in this story, and I just find it so weird and fascinating.
1: We can talk about the phone. I feel like we want to talk about the phone. Can we talk about the phone, Brianna? We... I am dying to talk about the phone. The phone? The phone. The
0: phone. Get your red string out of here. <laughs> so I just wanted just to like make a couple like comments or whatever, just to see if like maybe you felt the same way or if anyone listening is feeling the same way. And then you can comment on our posts or message me or whatever and let me know. But mm-hmm. this phone is weird to me. So like was like Artemis was obviously Repeatedly knocking the phone off the hook.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: So it's like, why? Like, what's he trying to call for help? But he was having trouble because he was bound. Uh, Or, like, did he know that the switchboard operators would see that the phone was off the hook? And then maybe he was like hoping that they would think, oh shit, something's wrong in there. This fucking phone keeps going off the hook. Mm -hmm. Let's send help. Or, like, Something else that is incredibly creepy, but this was happening for hours.
2: hmm
0: Was there someone else in the room? Mm-hmm. Was there someone else in the room, even though the bell the bell service and the bellboys and whatever, they were dispatched to this room, was there still someone else in there that was, like, fucking with the phone and fucking with Artemis? Mm-hmm. And like no one knew. Yeah, it's just so many questions. So creepy. And then like when the f- the police were printing the room, they found those small, presumably women fingerprints on the phone, but they were never identified. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, well, well, where did those come from? Did 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 some mysterious person that was hiding out in this room the whole time, knocking the phone off the hook, have really small fingers? And they left behind these mysterious, weird-ass fingerprints? Was Mary maybe not actually that good of a hotel maid and she never wiped the phone down? where these fingerprints come from? <laughs>
2: I think
1: it's the second part. <laughs> Sorry, Mary.
0: Well, speaking of Mary, there's also the time that she went to the room to clean and Artemis was on the phone with Dawn. And if you all remember, I had said that he was on the phone. And he just kind of put the phone down,
2: mm-hmm. did not
0: hang it up, just kind of put the phone down and started asking Mary questions. So he was asking her if she was responsible for the whole floor, if there was residential units available in the hotel. So it's like. Mm hmm. This was still a live phone call. So did Don say to him, like, yo, ask her these questions. I want to know if she's on that floor all day, when she is on the floor, if she's in every single room. Mm-hmm. Did Don want to know which rooms Mary was in charge of? Like, I don't know. Yep. Those are my com- Oh, my comments about the phone. It's just so weird that. I- yeah. Do, do you have anything additional do you agree with what i'm thinking are you have a you're on a wavelength as i like what
1: I, I think this i i don't know i'm taking more of like a sad approach i think like he was maybe just thinking i could be here for a while like the, the i could live here it's not uncommon for like hotels to become residences and you know i i can see like maybe having the phone like on and then just you know having it open so that don can hear i don't know if he directed him though like i think like maybe he just genuinely did think like i could live here asking about residences you know so i think it's like a sad angle
0: i think that it will whether don was directing him on what to say or or if it had sparked something in Artemis's mind based on a previous conversation they had had together,
2: mm-hmm.
0: I think that maybe it maybe it was wasn't something prompted for Artemis to say, but I think it's still very relevant to the two of them.
1: Yeah, okay. they had
0: obviously checked in to ho- like Donald and Artemis, or using whatever alias he's using had obviously checked into pr- two different hotels in the area together. Mm-hmm. So I think it is very relevant to the two of them.
1: So you think like they were asking, he was asking so that both can hear though. Yes.
0: Yeah, so I think it was we- whether Dawn on the phone said, Hey, I know the maid is there or I can hear the maid is there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Ask her. Or if Artemis just asked on his own volition, like I said, based on a previous conversation, the two of them had had at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, but I think that nearly everything that happened in this hotel room was motivated with m- more than just Artemis himself in mind. I think that it's, it's encompassing of at least two people, at least, and I think that this Dawn person plays the biggest role in that.
2: Mm, mm-hmm. that That's what sounds. I think.
0: None of these theories have been able to hold enough water to result in solid leads, let alone a conviction. Until this day, who killed Artemis Ogletree and why remains a mystery. His brutal and strange demise has fascinated people for nearly a century. And this Who Done It has web sleuths and armchair detectives working endlessly to try and solve the murder of the mysterious guest in room 1046.
2: Hmm.
0: I would, and I think you would agree, Dyson, I'd love to hear what our listeners think. Yeah. Based on all the theories that have been presented, based on the thought processes that you and I have, the feelings we have about the evidence and whatever that has been brought up. Mm -hmm. I want to know what everyone else thinks. So reach out to us on Instagram and on Twitter so that we can talk about it. As I had said in the first part, we post photos. So you can comment on them or whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm just really fascinated to hear what everyone else thinks because, like I said, everyone loves a good who've done it. Thank you for tuning in to a two-part series on Artemis Ogletree, aka the mysterious guest in room 1046. Make sure you rate the show five stars and leave us a positive review. Tune in next week when we do another Haunted Places installment. This time, over in uh, good old West Virginia. We'll catch you on the dark side. Bye. I turn, personally, like I turn red so easily. I don't have to have done, I don't have to...
1: Uh,
2: I'm (laughs) nervous (laughs) Worked all of that up in you